Hello and welcome to Rollins Around Town. I'm Sam Stark. I serve as Vice President of Communications and External Relations here at Rollins College. Rollins Around Town is a showcase of outstanding people who make dynamic and important contributions to the Rollins campus and throughout Central Florida. In either case, these are difference makers who help uplift the mission and brand of Rollins and who help make our region a special place to live, learn, and work. Today, I am delighted to welcome my friend Sean Garvey. Reverend Garvey is the senior minister at First Congregational Church, Winter Park. For those who know, early leadership from that church helped to create this college in the late 1880s, and though there is no formal connection today, the history and the current partnerships are meaningful and everlasting. In addition to Sean's normal and routine role at First Congregational, he currently is the Interim Dean of Religious and Spiritual Life here at the college for the second time. <laughs> Sean, welcome to the show, and thanks so much for being with us. I'm so happy to be here with you, Sam. Thank you. Glad to have you. Uh, a lot to talk about, um, about, you know, sort of your dual roles, uh, what's going on on campus. But first, sort of just help our listeners understand kind of who, who you are. Where did you grow up and, and kind of maybe what, what's your story that brought you to Central Florida? Sure. I am a, what I call a New England mutt. Um, my, my, my entire extended family is from Boston. Uh, I was born in Concord, New Hampshire, and then lived in Fairfield, Connecticut. Uh, my parents, who are huge John Denver fans in the 70s, wanted to move to Colorado. We got as far as South Dakota. That was as far west as we made it. So I did a little stint in the Great Plains um, in the late 70s and early 80s. Then we moved back to Boston, and I stayed in the Northeast for the rest of my life uh, until I moved here yeah. 10 years ago, where I never, ever, ever thought I would be. <laughs> and yet here I am in Florida, and we all love it. It's you came for the, for, the, for the I came for the church. At the church. I came for the church. Um, I was serving a church in New Jersey, yeah. um, but like so many of our churches, it was facing challenges, and we owned a home, and we wondered how long that would all be sustainable. And uh, then Superstorm Sandy hit. And we realized, you know what? We're done. Uh, we're done with the Northeast and its weather and its cold and its storms. And every time we got away, we always went somewhere warm. And the boys were little at the time, and we always made an annual trip to Disney. And we thought, well, let's look at Florida. And here was this place yeah. right near Disney and an amazing little town that felt very New Englandy Indeed. to us. Um, and it felt very familiar right away. Uh, and the church is phenomenal for a whole host of reasons. Yes. Um, and it was, it was a, a love fest on, on both sides, my, uh, me to the church and the church to me right from the beginning. And so it's August of 2013. Um, here, I, here I was. I and love it. it's been that way ever since. You mentioned John Denver, I think, before we go any yeah. further. <laughs> uh, talk about your... <laughs> uh, not relationship with, but yeah. your uh, passion for and admiration of, because uh, you are an incredible singer. So I'll, oh, I'll let you, you go from there. Um, well, I grew my, he was always in my home growing up. Um, so I really learned that I had a singing voice singing with his albums. Um, so it's no wonder that my voice sounds a lot like him because I think I mimicked him right. growing up. I also wanted to learn to play guitar. Um, because of his music. My dad always had one. So nine years old, I finally picked it up and started to figure things out. Uh, many years later, 
uh, when I had a MySpace page, oh. back when MySpace was still a, a thing, um, his guitar player uh, from his band in the 70s, Steve Weisberg, had a page, and I friend requested him. Steve not only ended up answering my request, but he listened to some of the recordings I had on my page at the time. And he contacted me from his home in Texas and said, we should do some John Denver stuff together, which was an absolute thrill to me because if he, he played on everything from Greatest Hits 1 to Greatest Hits 2. Right. So that's Annie's song and Calypso and Sunshine on My Shoulders. I mean, all, all the things that were huge for John at that period of his career, you hear Steve playing right. on. Um, so to become friends with Steve... Um, to do those shows together where he would just tell all the John Denver stories and then we'd play and sing together and it was it was he unfortunately passed away from lymphoma mm. a number of years ago and the last show we did was here at the church wow uh, when they so installed cool. me right when ministers sound like a major appliance when you get high <laughs> but they install you as the Plugged minister you right, right? Um, the but Steve Doing those things with Steve was That's was so glorious, cool. and so I still get to do John Denver stuff. Around. I'm doing something at the Mayflower tomorrow. Nice. Uh, I do an annual Christmas fundraiser at the church with John. I do them around town here and there. So I like it. we're always together. That's he so and I. Good. Yeah, Madison, do you know who John Denver is? No. Oh my gosh! All right. <laughs> That's you never okay. thought you'd have homework working for Rollins around town, but you have homework that you need to come back next week and report on your new favorite John Denver song. Oh, God help her. Right? Okay. <laughs> um, Sean, from your seat as a senior minister, um, mm. talk about the history and the relationship between the church and uh, and Rollins. And, yeah. And, you know, again, even though there's nothing, you know, uh, uh, concretely formal, it's, it's, just talk about what it yeah. means to your church and sure. your, your members. Well, um, the first Congregational Church of Winter Park is the first congregational church founded in the state of Florida. Um, and it's, it's important to understand that the history of New England congregationalism really comes from, you know, the Mayflower and, and the Puritans coming over. And um, the congregationalists have a heavy emphasis on education, free thought. Um, they are very social justice-centered. So... Um, if you go on the national website of my denomination, there's a section on it that's always, they like to talk about their firsts. So ours was the first denomination to ordain a person of color in 1785, mm. Lemuel Haynes, first to ordain a woman. Uh, we were the, among the original abolitionists, we were the lawyers that defended the slaves on the ship Amistad uh, in defending their freedom and fighting for their freedom. We were the first to ordain an openly gay man as a minister in 1972 mm. out in San Francisco. We were the first mainline denomination to have a general minister and president as a person of color. We just elected a brand new uh, general minister and president, uh, Karen, who's uh, the first female person of color as a major denominational president. Yes. So th the First to stand for marriage equality. Uh, we're an open and affirming church for the LGBTQ community. Um, yeah. It's it's storied like that. So when when they founded a church here, uh, and Winter Park was founded by New Englanders, uh, to to f what our founding minister his famous quote is: "We want to bring Christ to the South." Not like Christ wasn't already here. What he meant, I think, was post Civil War as a New England Congregationalist and all of the social justice stuff that is so central to the heart of, of our expression of faith, 
to bring that to Florida. Right. Um, and certainly the work of the church early, early on and still to this day was very social justice centered and, and very connected with the African-American community. Uh, in tandem with that, the Congregationalists loved to found colleges, Harvard, Yale, uh, a lot of the, um, the Ivy League schools. I think we, we have six uh, colleges in the United States that are designated as um, colleges for, um, oh, no, sorry, they're all gone now. Because <laughs> 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 things have changed so much. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, so Rollins came, came about because some of the, the heavy hitters in town put up enough money when the bid went up to see where the first you know, four-year college in Florida would be. And Alfonso Rollins put up the $50,000, right. which was a huge amount of money huge at the time. Money. Um, and it, w- it became here. So the first classes <laughs> at Rollins were held at the church. Uh, our founding minister, Edward Hooker, was Rollins' first president. Yep. In the history of the church, about the three or four first ministers at the church all worked here. Um, as professors in some capacity or another. In the 50s, our bell uh, from our cupola wound up in Knowles Memorial Chapel, and there's a lovely little plaque there in the stairwell at Knowles that talks about the gift of the bell to to here. And then uh, John Sinclair, who is well-known, shares his musical gifts with us at at the church, as do a large amount of the, the Rollins Choir. We're really lucky to have so many of our wonderful Rollins kids over at the church singing every week. Right. Um, when Lewis Duncan was leaving, uh, John brought me over and said, you know, well, and Patrick Powers was retiring at the same time. So John said, have Sean come over and, and help while we figure out what's next. So that was 2014. Yeah. Um, so that was an interesting time because, you know, Pat was gone. Craig was interim president at the time. Right. Um, but then Grant and Peg came to be with us. And um, those were a, a lovely two years to to be here and, and watch that transition happen and get to meet wonderful people that I'm delighted are still here now that I'm back yeah. <laughs> doing this again. That's amazing. Because um, Katrina took a, a wonderful, fantastic new opportunity up at Rutgers. Right. And she's going to be dynamite up there. And what was great about when Katrina came was that she and I went to to seminary together, and we graduated together. Kid, I never, I never knew that. Oh, you didn't know that? That's amazing. So when she came down, and we had like the final interview breakfast yeah. over at Hamilton's, we were like, "I can't believe you're That's sitting across the table from me," because it had been twenty years since we saw each other. So that was neat. I and love to have that. my old friend right down the street for six or so years was, was yeah. lovely. And she's going to be a superstar, indeed. Up where she yes, is. and we'll like everybody we're all a little replaceable at, at the end of the day and indeed we'll we find are. somebody great and uh, we'll, we'll we'll miss her uh, but we'll move forward as we uh, as we always do and we can't talk about the deans of the chapel and the deans of religious uh, and spiritual life without me mentioning one of my favorite professors dean arnold wettstein yeah uh, who uh, probably before your time um but um hopefully you know his name and sure his do. legacy just a, a fantastic man um you mentioned so many things, and, and I didn't think about this question. I gave you a little sneak peek of the questions, and now, of course, I'm going to ask you some I didn't, I didn't prep you on. How do you keep politics out of the church? <laughs> you said you were going to ask me a gotcha question, Maybe that Sam. is a little bit. I'm sorry. No, 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 I'm that's fine. I'm so fascinated and curious by all the things you mentioned, yeah. what's going on in society today and everywhere you turn. It's 
Well, it's, it's political. It's interesting you ask that because just this past Sunday, the scripture I read was when the Pharisees try to ask Jesus a gotcha question and say, you know, should we be paying taxes to the emperor? Mm. Right. And his famous answer is, you know, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Right. And that answer isn't to be heard as if those are completely separate dual worlds, mm. right? Do, do your secular thing mm. over here, do your spiritual thing over here, right? right? If, you, if you are engaged in living in the world holistically, the sacred and the secular always intertwine at some point, and particularly in the neighborhood of social justice. Right. You can't do that for very long at all before politics mm. um, and your faith start to come together, right? right? I mean, just to me, in my lifetime's memory, the quintessential uh, example of that is the civil rights movement. That was, at the end of the day, a political endeavor, right? Laws needed to be changed. Rights needed to be changed. But that was affected by, in large part, communities of faith, abiding by the thing I'm preaching on this week, which is love thy neighbor, Mm. right? which is at the heart of, I think, everything. Indeed. And we're still learning how to do it. Um, so the intersection of social justice you know, in a faith-based way and politics, at a certain point, you can't get away from it. Um, but at the same time, we live in America where we have the separation of church and state. We have this lovely little thing called the Johnson Amendment, uh, which is pretty clear about what you're aren't and are supposed to do from the pulpit when it comes to politics and candidates and parties and it helps keep your tax exempt status where it is right right? and i don't think every church abides by it very well but since i've been doing this for 25 years now what i've and i've i've done sermons where i get political ish um in my past and they have gone over well and they have not um, especially in a church like ours, which is so progressive and liberal, um, I think people from the outside and even from the inside can often make the mistake of thinking that, well, if everybody here is theologically progressive and liberal, they must be politically mm. progressive and liberal. And that is not uh, true. Yeah. You know, I speak to a broad political constituency uh, in the same way Grant oversees a broad political constituency here at, at the college. Yeah. Right? So... My, at the end of the day, I feel like if I do my job and I, to the best of my ability, authentically share uh, our scriptural heritage and especially, since we're Christian, uh, the gospel of Jesus right. as best and authentically as I can, uh, and that matters to you, if you then take some of that when you go and vote— you know, and what your faith informs you in part informs who it is that you want to fill in that oval about or pull that lever for. Right. Then I think I've done my job. Yeah. Interesting. You know? Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, talk talk a little bit too about the business model for churches, and and really I'm asking this as a as a gateway for students. Um, are you know is is church business management a thing? Is oh, it a God, career yes. path? <laughs> Um, and, and is it, does it have to be ministerial or does it, can it be something else? So again, I ask it with the lens of students who want jobs and what's the, what's the pathway? Sure. Well, 
in seminary, you get a semester of what they call church business, and it is woefully lacking. Um, so much so that it's it's really sort of it makes you grieve. So um, you really learn about the business side of church when you finally get into it. Uh, and make no mistake, there is a ton of it because there's administration. You have to take care of a facility. Um, you contractually get landscapers, electricians, you know, all that stuff to take care of your property. So that's mm-hmm. one part of it. It's your budget. You have to be able to raise, especially in our tradition, because we, we are self-sustaining mm-hmm. and autonomous, financially speaking. So everything we make happen from staff to facilities, to programming, everything. We raise it every year ourselves. Here in Winter Park. I mean, in your, yeah, yeah. Just through your church. Our membership oh. alone gotcha. does it. Now, we, you know, blessedly have some um, foundations and organizations that give us gifts sure. every year. You can never count on that. No. And it's always a blessing Change when a we come. Right. But by and large, we're a nonprofit and we are self-sustaining. So you've got to do... F- aggressive fundraising and we're in that season right now every fall to get ready for the next calendar year's budget right and you just hope you can make it all work and every year it's a challenge yeah Uh, and i can't imagine that's not true i know rollins does fundraising and it's dependent upon its student body and tuition and and i love the business model of the alfond always have right um but yeah it's it's a nail biter Every year, <laughs> make no mistake. Yeah, um, the, the the COVID effect. Um, mm. You know, you're, you're, yeah. you're we're past it to, 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 to most degrees. Uh, church in good standing and good. Uh, we're past it, but it it is still with us in in the in the way that it has, I think, permanently changed mm. how people connect with church. Right, uh, and my colleagues and I are still figuring this out but when we all went completely virtual as so many of us did um, and learned how to be content creators like overnight um, I would say though a vast majority of people have come back to the physical space there's still a very healthy swath of people whose habits just changed right and now they connect with their worship experience uh, by watching our live stream which we archive. So, I mean, it's interesting when you look at the numbers of who watches actually live in that hour on Sunday, but who tunes in another time during the week. Right. You know, and I'm, I'm delighted that we can offer that. Absolutely. Because people do take advantage of it. So what we're doing now is investing more in the technology of our streaming capability. So new microphones, better software, more beefy computer, yeah. trying to make it more of a production. Um, because people... People liked it when we did it when we were in quarantine. We really tried to do it as best we could. Right. And that actually really helped with our fundraising that year. We balanced our budget. Mm. Um, helped with we weren't in the building. Right. <laughs> Didn't have all those operational right. costs. But but still, people resonated mm. with connecting in that sort of visual way. So I'm hoping now that we're back and, and we're, we're going to start to incorporate some monitors in the sanctuary. That's a huge deal. Um, but to be able to augment worship a little bit with some of that visual um, okay. stuff that we were doing when we were making the whole pre-produced video will be right. will be a fun way to to do worship now. But yeah, COVID COVID has changed. It's still with us in that way. It it really did change everything yeah. for us. And I think the and oh the best part of it though I got to say all of our business meetings. By and large, we do we still do on Zoom. 
So what we found was that when you're asking people to volunteer to be on boards and committees, you get far more engagement Interesting. When right. you're not asking people to schlep out to the church right. on a weeknight right. uh, for an hour or two, uh, when you know you can be at home, still be with your families, yeah. have dinner, um, we've had far less trouble getting quorums yeah. to get voting business done because people are like, I'll just have to sign on for an Jump hour and I can, I can then go back to what I was doing because I'm in the next room. That's been a big deal. That's right. Yeah. One thing that I found interesting, find interesting, I, I think I started to realize a little bit when I used to run our Chamber of Commerce here in Winter Park, and is really the collaboration amongst the ministerial leadership in Winter Park. Um, maybe I'm misreading it. Y'all seem to know each other. Y'all seem to like each other um, <laughs> and often find times to work together. So our colleagues and friends at All Saints and First United Methodist. Yeah. Uh, am, am I misreading it or uh, is that a thing? I have found in my time here, uh, I've come to know Stu at the Episcopal Church. Yep. Um, I don't think you can be in Winter Park for very long and not know Father Walsh in some capacity because right. he's an institution. Mary, yeah. um, I've, I've run into one or two of my colleagues um, in the Hannibal Square area of, of the city. Um, but no, we do not meet as sort of an ecumenical mm. group of clergy. I know that there was a time when that ecumenicalism was was far more pronounced. Okay. Um, but in my time, he, and even before that, um, we're also focused on our our immediate church community and trying to keep it all going. That's hard enough. Um, it's and and I will say in the in the times where we have done things collaboratively, it's been wonderful. Um, the engagement on the part of our various congregations hasn't been necessarily as as pronounced as it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think we all just get so busy with our other stuff. Yeah. So it's not an, a regular ongoing thing, I think, like it was in the days when my dad was a pastor. Right. And there was a big ecumenical spirit uh, in the communities in which he, he pastored. Now, I think because of the challenges we face as, as spiritual leaders of mainline denominations that are all in decline, mm-hmm. uh, and the challenges we face were... Yeah. When we do it, we can, but it's not. It may yeah. not be what people think it used to be. Yeah. So let's uh, shift a little bit to Rollins. You, you you touched a bit on your transition. Both both transitions here. Um, Two time interim dean. Um, <laughs> how how do you balance it? Like how do you do? In essence, two full time jobs. Ah, uh, not well. <laughs> <laughs> I know we you were talking about good we were talking about that before you got oh, here. Um, not it's. I mean, thankfully. My church supports my being here, which was a huge deal. I, of course, needed to ask if it was okay. Um, but the church really deeply values and cherishes its its history and relationship with Rollins, um, always has and always will. I, as somebody who came into it um, from you know the outside, loved the history and and the connection between this church and this college. I mean, not every church has that by any stretch, and it's really unique right. and really special. Um, so, yeah, I just had my second sabbatical over the summer and dove, you know, forehead deep into all of this. <laughs> and um, I try to be good about time management and and boundaries and um, giving myself at least an hour to sit with my wife and my boys when I go home right. before the day is over. 
but I, you know, anybody who's in a teaching profession, um, a healing profession of any sort, whether yeah. that's physical, psychological, constituent relations. I mean, it's just yeah. inevitable. Yeah. So I think you you want to say yes yeah. to people. You want to be as helpful as you can be. Right. Um, and what's been lovely is that people here like you, Trish, Mickey, Leon, um, you know, when I've had to say I can't necessarily be present here because I've got stuff at the church I've got to do, right. or um, everybody's like, fine, we get we it. Go, we get it. Um, so that that support um, and everything is is lovely. Um, Love but it's great. Be, it is great being here because um, I was also saying uh, that as I think about what my experiences here was almost ten years ago because it was 2014 mm. when I did it the first time. So we're almost. 10 years hence. It's a different campus than it was then. So, and, uh, talk about that. And, I mean, it, well, it's rem- look at this building. I mean, this I mean the physical the, plant. Well, no, yes and no. I mean, the certainly the, the physical plant improvements that have happened here are stunning yeah. uh, and remarkable and fantastic. Um, you know, and, and what, what Grant has brought, I think, in his tenure here to the spirit and um, the the mission and the direction of Rollins in his time here has really been special yeah. and really, really solid. Um, and, you know, it's just in doing sort of a lot of the interfaith work I'm doing this time around and, and seeing where the emphases are, uh, seeing how the the students are interrelating, especially in the mirror of all the horror that's going on around us right now. Um, you know, it's 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 a very concentrated uh, campus of of purpose and mission and uh, drive to really fulfill its mandate of of forming global citizens and leaders. Yeah, um, it's. It's really lovely to see. It truly, truly is. It gives me a lot of hope. Can you can you summarize uh, to people who, who maybe don't know or just really aren't familiar with the role as dean of religious life and spiritual life? Like, what do you do? Somebody asked me that the other day. Um, <laughs> like, we know we got a church. We yeah. got the Knowles Memorial, which is beautiful. It's lovely. Fantastic. Sits empty most of the time. Most Bach is in there. Um, and you know that I remember when I came to do this the first time, and Thad Seymour said, "I remember the days when you know the bell would ring and we'd all come over on a Sunday morning and the place would be full." And he was sort of you know egging me that I hope you get it to be back like that again. And right. you know, of course, that wasn't going. <laughs> that's just not culturally where we are as a country, so it wasn't going to happen. Right. But um, you know, the, there is a there is a um, a very focused and committed spiritual community on campus, both in terms of faculty and students. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I love seeing, especially in our interfaith council, when the when the kids who are presidents of the various organizations come and meet with, with me and Trish, is just how invested they are in not only exploring and continuing to cultivate their own religious and cultural experiences, but also learning with and from each other. Uh, which is so important, yeah. especially now. Right. I mean, who knew, right? Um, but it's it's crucial right now that that kind of spirit uh, really is is something that's alive and working in between these various organizations right now. 
So I over, I sort of shepherd that. Mm, nice. Um, you know, the, the administration of Knowles, such as it is, I mean, there are things that need to get done there. It is a building. It has a budget, such as it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we take care of that, make sure that, you know, people who want to use it as a space are able to do so. Your department is a huge part in helping us with that. Um, there are some ceremonial things that the dean does, like Friday, I'm saying the invocation before the trustees meet. Um convocation baccalaureate vespers right. sunrise service yep. at easter founders day which is coming up the first weekend of november which right. we always do in tandem with the church um and yet it's already proven true this time and it was certainly true the last time i was here there's just a lot of what somebody asked me the other day and they termed it as chaplaincy and i said that's a that's a good word for it but being a a pastoral presence right to staff and faculty how do you how do you do it um, knowing that not everybody believes what you believe? Sure. Uh, I mean, it, it, is it your role, purpose as the dean, or is it one's purpose as the dean of religious life at any institution to you know to preach or to? <laughs> God, uh, I hope not. <laughs> right? Or to is it just open dialogue? And you know, right? I think and, and, so. And today again, we're, we, we you've touched on it, but the college students are wrestling like we all are with the Middle East. Yeah. And you talk about this interfaith council where we have Jewish students, we have Muslim students, we have a social um, democratic uh, students. Well, we have some Palestinian students who identify and have family. Like it's so complex and it is. so complicated. It is. How do you, how do you deal with that? Um, and, um, well, I think at a college, yeah. um, my role, the role of the person who sits in the position that I currently am is to be a supportive presence uh to be an ear of authentic listening to mm -hmm. to everybody uh to try to lovingly and compassionately uh be a bridge builder uh when so many of the bridges are being burned mm. uh to cinder right now um how how do you help facilitate in a especially as a person of faith, so I testify to follow in the way of one who advocates for nonviolence um, and be a peacemaker, but also one who seeks justice, mm -hmm. but seeks that justice in a peaceful, nonviolent way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how, how do you bring those various hurting, angry, scared, confused, uh, grieving yeah. communities together in a way that we can build, uh, in the church you'd call it the realm of God, but at Rollins you'd probably call it the, the, the community of humanity, mm -hmm. right? To, yeah. to really emulate that global sense that's so important here and, and so real, right? Right. I mean, you're not going to leave here and not be globally connected anymore. I mean, the internet changed that completely ages ago. Um, right. So you, you are part of a global world and yeah. you will be in your work if you travel anything so how do you as best you can compassionately empathetically lovingly uh, connect with the people in that globe around you right uh, and that's that's always a challenge it's especially a challenge when we have things happening in the world like we do right now yeah you mentioned all these emotional things that people feel and are mm -hmm. feeling and we talked about a little bit before before we got on but you know the one thing that you also have to deal with it is, in essence, misinformation. 
right? Oh, yeah. And God, so, yes. I mean, mm-hmm. right? Like, thanks, we, internet. Yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. so that that just compounds human grief, human confusion, human love, humans, you know, um, uh, service. Um, and then again, you you introduce maybe what you know, but then also what you get fed, and half of that's garbage, anyways. Well, at least half of it. And the tragedy of that is that it it feeds into our true humanness in our desire to know. You know, I mean, all we want to know is what's really going on, so that we can start the process of of making sense of it for ourselves, right? right? And that really gets amplified when it's a time of grief, a time of stress. Uh, a time of confusion when things seem beyond our capability to really grasp them. Mm-hmm. Um, that happens when somebody dies. Right. And you immediately you start th- those internal why, yeah. why questions, right? You look at what's happening around us right now and you go, why, why? And you want to know because in the knowing you can start to process. Um, so I think when you, when you have these, these outlets and these mechanisms that, that prey upon that with misinformation, and, so, you know, I know my, my sons grapple with that every day yeah. because they're, they're getting fed algorithms on, on their tech and they'll come into the kitchen for dinner and say, you know what, I, and, and I listen, I go, you might want to do a little more digging on that because <laughs> that might not completely be accurate. Right. Um, but, you know, you want to think, well, this person knows what they're talking about. They, they, why right. would they lie? They must be, t- uh, yeah, it's really hard. Yep. It's really hard. So two more questions. One, to just talk about the students. Like, what, what is your perception and your experience? How, who is, how are Rollins students today? <laughs> well, I mean, they've always been superstars, right? I mean, these are people who are super achievers, have a deep desire to learn, a deep desire to serve, when they get out there into the world. I mean, that life is for service plaque over there in the wall that Mr. Rogers kept a picture of in his wallet. I mean, that that is a, a credo that is taken seriously by the student body here. And that's something that I really have always admired about this place. Um, so I also, particularly because we moved through a time of grief together as a community last week, I mean, th- this has always been, because that happened last time I was here too, uh, and continues to be a, a place that is made up of a student body of deep compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always resonate with that because that's sort of the, the wheelhouse I work in <laughs> with right. my job. Um, but when you see compassion uh, and a desire to share that compassion in the benefit of bettering the lives of other people um, really at work, that is such an inspirational um, and an affirming thing to see, yeah. Because uh, so much of what you just see is is you know selfishness and um, you know self centeredness mm-hmm. and, and apathy. You see so much of that on the news, and and you, maybe you get that uplifting human interest story at the very end that's you know thirty seconds long, but you've just sat through twenty nine minutes of stuff that just makes or, you want to crawl in a hole and never come out, right? So, but Rollins students remind you. <laughs> that that 30-second human interest story at the end of the news is alive and well, and it's going on all day long, yeah. and it's very much at the center of who they are, and I love that. And, and my last question I, I like to ask, you know, this show's called Rollins Around Town, and in essence, you know, what role does Rollins play in, from, in your mind, in your lens, you know, around town? And that's 
Winter Park, Orlando, Central Florida. What you know, in essence, what's the importance of Rollins College? Do you feel to to this community? Well, without getting myself in a heap load of trouble, um, I think particularly as a private educational institution in the midst of some of the changes that are happening in our public educational system in this state, uh, its ability to sort of be immune and removed from some of those things uh, makes it all the more important as a place of liberal arts education. Um, I think certainly it's a, it's a, in Winter Park, it's a pillar of the community. Um, you know, it continues to, to make its presence known with new buildings and, uh, and especially something like the Alfond with that wonderful new addition that, is it done? It oh, looks yeah. like it's done yeah. when I passed it the other yeah. day. You know, and the way that benefits the students with scholarships due to their business model, and, but, but it offers great food to our community and right. lovely places to stay when people come to visit. Um, Edith Bush and all of the fantastic work it does uh, with philanthropy and the ability to serve people financially. Um, and I will say this too, um, a way that I personally have been able to, to benefit from the gift of Rollins uh, is through Connie and all the wonderful people at the Wellness Center. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you know, that, by virtue of our relationship, when, we, when we've had, um, and thankfully it's only been occasionally, but you know, really heavy stuff happen at the church, uh, and I've been able to ask Connie, could you, could you bring some of the wellness staff over and, and talk with a group of us? Wow. Uh, because they have sets of tools and expertise that I do yeah. not. Um, they've you know, lovingly come over and, and assisted us that way. So it's things I like that. I didn't know that. That's so great. Yeah. I love mean, that. bless their hearts. Bless their love hearts. That. Um, and that's why I love to be able to reciprocate that in kind and, and be here and share what I can and, and pay that back. Um, this has been outstanding. You know, we've known each other for a long time. I don't think <laughs> we've had this kind of conversation, even though we've had a lot of good ones and been yeah. in the same room for a lot of good ones. So, uh, Sean, I just can't thank you enough for being with us and Thanks, for man. all you do for Winter Park and, uh, and Rollins College. Thank you, Sam. It's, my, and a, good it's a blessing to me to be able to do it. Uh, Reverend Sean Garvey is the senior minister at First Congregational Church in Winter Park. Learn more about that church and uh, Reverend Garvey. Look him up uh, on the internet, First Congregational Church, Winter Park. Uh, special thanks to Madison, as always, who Thank has you, homework. We're not letting that go. Uh, John Denver is your homework assignment. There you go. Go out and listen to some John Denver, everybody. It'll make your day better. Thanks for tuning in. Keep updated on all of our shows and guests by following us on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to our podcast, Rollins Around Town, wherever you get your podcast. So with that, we thank Reverend Garvey and wish you all a great day.